please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. Please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. All right, so, so today we're talking about elder abuse. June is Elder Abuse Awareness Month. So Brenton and I wanted to pop on and do an elder law report on elder abuse, what it is, and what can be done to avoid it from our perspective as attorneys. So, what is elder abuse, Brenton? What do you think? Yeah, so that's a good question because it comes in many forms, you know, and um, one of the things that we talk about in our seminars is the prevalence of elder abuse and uh, you know what we tell people is 10% of individuals who are considered seniors get or experience some type of elder abuse right financial and, abuse yeah the 10% yeah, 1 in 10 um, that is you know pretty skewed number because a lot of that stuff doesn't go reported it goes unreported um, I would say the majority of it is unreported. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, sometimes people don't know their, their avenues. Sometimes people don't know uh, what constitutes, you know, elder abuse. And it's, a lot of times it's family members, so people don't want to tell on their family members, you know. So um, what elder abuse is, is it, there's, it's, it's on a spectrum, you know, uh, whether it's deprivation of that person's liberty just because they can't make choices for themselves and, and you're slowly taking away uh, their independence by um, not allowing them to perform daily tasks and letting them deteriorate because they can't make their own choices. Um, on one end, to you know, financial exploitation. Um, you know, uh, they trust you with their their money, but you're taking them for a ride. Um, or you know, just straight up actual what we would think of as. Abuse, you know, yelling, not improper treatment, you being relied upon as a caretaker, and um, you not doing the job that you should. Which should not be tolerated by a person or their family from a caretaker or another family member. Right, right. You know, actual abuse or financial abuse, right. taking taking advantage of someone else's finances. Who may have questionable healthcare, a healthcare situation, or you know capacity, right? Uh, right. Dementia, Alzheimer's. So, yeah, horrible stuff. Um, so, how can we? And we, and we interact with people all the time that are in those situations. We do, um, or are scared of those situations, or are trying to plan ahead and plan around those situations. So, who's going to handle my money? Do I have any say so? If something happens to me, who handles my money? Who handles my real estate? Who handles my health care? And the answer is yes. Brenton, how do you uh, how do you plan ahead from a plan ahead perspective, and how does that help you avoid elder abuse? Yeah. So you know, to plan ahead, the first thing you need to do is understand that elder abuse is a reality and that it can happen to you, right? Just first understand that. Second thing is to to make sure that you have um, the barriers in, in place to prevent elder abuse from happening, whether it's physical, you know, you get those people out of your life that you think would, would do that. Um, you make sure you, you surround yourself with people who are gonna take care of you, 
or um, you know financial or emotional um, or healthcare, right? Um, so what we provide to prevent elder abuse, and one of the things we do to to plan ahead, and one of the most um, you know effective things is to is to put the uh, I think it goes all the other way around. There you go. Is to put the uh, you can't see me. I can only see you. Oh, okay. <laughs> is to put the uh, things in place right that are going to prevent that those things that we offer are the powers of attorney documents that we draw up so it's the general durable power of attorney for financial legal purposes and the healthcare power of attorney so brenton what if i don't have someone in my life that i can trust a hundred percent should i appoint them to be my agent over my finances or my health care yeah absolutely not you know that's that's one of the the best ways to get exploited, one of the best ways to um, to have uh, you know the instances of abuse emerge because you you are giving that person quite a bit of power. You're giving them the ability to make any choices for you with respect to your finances, your legal rights, and your health care. And not only are you giving them that power, you've solidified to the rest of the world that hey. This person is trustworthy. I trust this person 100%. And so that's what that document is doing. And it's important to have that document in place for your protection, but you, you're not gonna get any protection if you appoint someone that's not trustworthy. No, you're, you're, I mean, you're gonna put yourself in a worse position because you're yeah. going, I can guarantee it. That's how I feel about springing powers of attorney. And I've, I've said that many times at seminars and other times that uh, and in consults. So springing powers of attorney are, are powers of attorney that uh, that spring into action, that spring to life when some event happens, uh, such as you become incompetent, incapacitated as certified by one physician, or we could write it as certified by two physicians. Right. Well, if the person... When somebody brings up a springing power of attorney, is there some way to do that, they say, you know, to, to make it so that it's only valid when I'm incompetent? The answer is yes. However, um, if you don't trust that person while you're competent, if you don't trust that person while you're lucid, while you're able to make your own decisions easily, you know, then I guarantee you, and while you're able to guard against it because you're competent, I guarantee you they're going to take advantage of you right. if you're not competent. Right. So maybe really, really scrutinize that decision, consider that decision, whether to appoint that person as your agent over your financial and healthcare affairs. Right, exactly. And, you know, you're going to have, you're going to appoint someone you trust and hopefully appoint a secondary person to fill their, the agent's role, whoever you appoint as agent, if that agent can't act. And, and hopefully you trust that secondary person as well. But the biggest thing is too, is, is to, to communicate, right? So, so people will make someone their power of attorney, make their son, daughter, power of attorney, for example, and won't ever tell them. It won't tell the rest of the family, hey, this is what I've done. This is why I've done it. You know, or they're worried about not putting Susie as one of the powers of attorney because they think she'll be offended. And even though Susie, you know, blows her money and can barely scrape by, you know, it, she's financially incompetent. You know, you want someone who can do the job and that you trust, and you want to tell people about your plan so that they can support you because you know 
if, if you don't tell anybody you set these protections in place, it's good to have the protections, but if no one knows, right, then no one can support your, your plan. So you want to be able to communicate. You know, we you want to be able to communicate with your family oh, yeah. and, and with the agents. You want to be able to tell them for them to have access to that document, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. So you could give them a copy of that document. Brenton, we, we actually provide free of charge for life a service that allows family members access to any of your legal documents 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anywhere on planet Earth where you can have an internet connection. Right, and that's a big deal too because... You know, that, that prevents that, that physical barrier of, you know, trying to, you know, leaving a copy of it with, um, with a family member. Place. Yeah, in a safe place who, you know, it might get lost or something like that, you know. No, I can bring up mom's power of attorney. I can bring up, you know, dad's will anywhere and show people and demonstrate we're on vaca- that. We're on, vaca- we're on vacation in Florida with mom and dad and something happens and I go to the hospital and, yeah. and I pull it up on my phone. Yeah. Here's the healthcare power of attorney. Yeah. If they yeah, said, "Hey, you need to print it." Hey, if they yeah. said, "Hey, you need to print it," I'd say, "Hey, can I email it to you right here at the nurses station so you can print it?" Or right. or I could go find a place nearby to print it, right? But uh, right. it's available to you. So yeah. exactly. That's a neat service. So so yeah, so healthcare power powers of attorney are important. Uh, general durable powers of attorney are important. Hey, you know, it's separate parts of the statute. You can have a different agent for your health care than for your general durable power of attorney, for your money. It, are there situations where that might be advantageous, or why is that, that you can have different ones? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, one of the, one of the reasons why is because is to give you the flexibility to choose who has power, right? So um, the reason why that's separated in the statute is statutorily they want you want to give you the ability to choose who has power over what. And so, um, for example, I, I have someone who works in healthcare in my family. They understand how everything works. They understand how uh, certain procedures work, certain medication, how it affects people, and um, you know they just understand the system. They are a pretty good choice for being that healthcare power of attorney because they can make quick, efficient decisions and counsel the rest of the family on why it's a good decision, right? That person, while you know the person I have in mind would also be a good person to have for financial legal purposes, but you what know- What if they weren't? Yeah, exactly. So what if they weren't? Yeah, what if you exactly. had a son, what if you had a son that was a financial planner or CPA? Exactly. And he's so a perfect person to be your financial legal power of attorney or an attorney, you know, maybe they're an attorney. And then you you have a daughter that's a nurse, you know, I have clients. We have clients who have that exact same situation. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it happens all the time um, where even, even if that's not the case, even if their son isn't a CPA, he's a, you know, he owns his own business and and, um, the daughter is a teacher or something like that. They just know that daughter can make better financial decisions and son can make better healthcare decisions. Hey, I know I know people who don't have a college education who are a lot better with money than some CPAs I know, and I'm not kidding. Yeah, yeah. I'm serious. So it yeah. just, I mean, you, you know people. Some people are good with money. Some people are not. Right. And you know in your family who's good with money and who is not good with money. Or, or and sometimes it has nothing to do with education. education. Yeah, or just has a financial literacy, you know? Ben, ben, yeah. yeah, exactly. Or common sense, 
or yeah. savers. Like my grandmother who worked at a textile plant, that mill, you know, literally her entire life. Yeah. Um, her and my grandfather. And uh, were able to save you know, a lot of money for what they made and own their own home, you know, and always had money. Although, you know, and I mean, I'm going to tell you, I'm not as good at that as I would like yeah. to be. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, she could, I could learn some things from her, you know, right. but yeah, right. you, you know, so you can appoint someone that you feel comfortable in that role. Exactly. Um, I, I like to joke and say, you might not want to have the same person over your finances and getting ready to inherit a lot of money that also has their hand on the plug. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> maybe you want to make them different, but most people make it the same person. I mean, realistically, but you have that choice. Yeah. Especially if it's, you know, your spouse. You make them over both, and then maybe. maybe it just depends on if you're, you know how it's going with the spouse. Yeah, true, <laughs> but, but yeah. So <laughs> um, I have blended families, you know, who, you know, right. second, third marriages who don't want to make the spouse; they want to make it like their daughter. Yeah, and that's, wanna, yeah, and that's and that's very important to bring up too, because there's nothing wrong. Okay, let's say you have a family um, that's blended. You know, uh, husband and wife got married. It's their second marriage. They both have kids from the first marriage. There's nothing wrong with having your respective children as your power of attorney, you know, instead of having your spouse's children as power of attorney. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, you don't have to worry about offending anyone. You need to pick the right person. What about having your other estate planning documents in place? What about having, you know, the will in place? What about having, you know, perhaps trust in place, irrevocable trust? What about having deed protections in place? How could that help protect you from being taken advantage of if you were incompetent or uh, or or elderly, subject to elder abuse? You know, how could you that help lessen that? So, you know, uh, first of all, let's start with the will. A valid will is going to make sure that your property goes where you want to go, right? A validly executed will that you have an attorney draw up and then you make sure it's ironclad. Um, you know, that's going to prevent that dreaded probate litigation where, you know, you can have people coming in saying, hey, you know, uh, dad, before he passed away, told me he was going to leave me this, leave me that, you know. Um, and, but more importantly, you know, if you have someone as, as your trustee for a trust, things like that, whoever you pick, you have that extra person who's going to be someone who's overlooking um, you know, what's happening with your property, right? And they, and they have a fiduciary duty. The executor of your will has a fiduciary duty. A trustee that you appoint has a fiduciary duty where if they violate that duty, you know, they're, they're in violation of actual duties given to them that they have to act toward, you know what I'm saying? So they can be in trouble for that, to put it in the most simple sense. Um, they can be subject to litigation. They can be subject to other legal you know, uh, recourse, recourse. That's right. So, um, you know, for those, those two, especially you're going to have, uh, the ability to have that extra person there to make sure that your wishes are carried out. Now, um, you know, deed work wise, what we offer, um, and what we suggest for a lot of people to have is ladybird deed. Now, a lot of people think that, hey, when I get a certain age, I'm just going to give my house away, right? I'm just going to start giving my assets away to protect it because that's what I've heard on the street from some street lawyer, you know, from, from a neighbor down, down the street who, um, 
who saw a lawyer once or read an article once and is giving me legal advice. So um, you don't want to make the mistake of just giving away your property because give it away, you know, what, what promise do you have that you're going to be able to live there for the rest of your life, right? I mean, you give it away, you don't have any power over that property. And, uh, you yeah, know, whatever you give it to, you can kick it right out. And, uh, yeah, I think I just don't advocate, I just really don't advocate that. Yeah. I just, I never advocate that because I've seen situations where the kids will throw mom or dad out of the house, out of their own house. Right. That they got control of. And I don't care how nice your kids are. I think they're nicer if mama still has control of the assets. Assets. Right. Even if you have to protect your assets, even if you have to, to, you know, even if you have to get your assets out of your name for all intents and purposes, there's ways. Where there's like ways. into an irrevocable trust. Yeah. Where there is a legal fiduciary duty for that child exactly. to maintain those assets for the rest of that person's life. Person's life. Exactly. You know, there's ways around it where you don't give someone the property free and clear where they can do with whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah, or you may want to set it up by deed. For the child to get or children to get the property after you pass, but guarantees it's under your control for the rest of your life. Right. Like life estate deeds or ladybird deeds. Yeah. Right. And that's one of the main goals that we espouse is, you know, first of all, you know, we want your property to go where you want it to go. But while you're alive, we want you to keep it. We want you to keep control over it. While also allowing you to have maximum access to health care benefits right. like long-term care Medicaid or veterans benefits. Right. So we're always thinking about those things when we're making a plan. But I think right. going ahead and solidifying a plan, whether the family knows about how the assets are going or not, it gives you peace of mind exactly. that you're not going to yeah. be subject to that elder abuse. And we can give you assurances and you can set up legally where you do you have assurances you're controlling your property, your money, your home, maybe other real estate for the rest of your life. Right. Or you know who is. And they right. have a legal fiduciary built-in duty into, say, a trust to do that for you. Right. Or so, suffer consequences. Yeah, because, I mean, what happens if you don't have those powers of attorney in place? Guardianships. If you do not plan ahead then the state has a remedy, has a solution, which is guardianship. So either the adult protective services, if the family doesn't file a petition, if someone needs help, accounts are locked up, um, no one's appointed to handle health care decisions, then the state or placement decisions, the state will step in or the family can petition the court to appoint a guardian. Right. But once a guardian's appointed, you know, the court's really, really, in my experience, are very cautious as to how you can spend money as the guardian. So you right. become less, flex, it becomes harder to protect assets. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and from yeah. a long term care spend down or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you're under a con continual, um, you know, obligation to report to the court you're uh, under the oversight of the court for the rest of the time that you know that that ward is living unless you 
are able to convince the court to, to restore the, the rights back to that individual. And sometimes the court might not want a private guardian unless they know that there's retained counsel that is going to ensure those annual accountings are filed incorrectly. Right. Because right. of ex problems the court's experienced in the past. Right. So there's extra fees, extra cost involved. Much, right. much more, more expensive and drawn out than putting in place foundational documents, general durable power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney ahead of time. Right. And because, you know, like we're saying, guardianship really should be a last resort option. Even in the, even in the statute, even in the stat, I don't think a lot of guardian ad litems know this or clerks, by the way. And I love clerks and guardian ad litems as much as I can. Okay. But I don't even think that they know or really, I, they know, they know. I don't think they think about it that way. Right. I think guardianship is a one size fits all. There's a nail. I'm going to hit it with a hammer, right? Mm -hmm. Every time. Yep. That's all a hammer knows. But yeah. really, it should be used sparingly. And, and, and you should look at every opportunity to even put in place limited guardianships. I've been doing a lot of reading about guardianships lately. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, ultimately, you're depriving someone of their rights. Of their of liberty. Every right. of, every right. of every right. Of every right to control any property. I mean, you know, the, 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 the Constitution that I have hanging out on the, on the wall in here, you know, which is, that's awesome. I thought it was cheesy at first, but now I love it because it just keeps me grounded. Um, it's because uh, it's cliche for, you know, for me to have that in my lawyers off the Constitution Declaration for Independence, right? And I've had those in my past offices too, but, uh, but uh, you know, life, liberty, and property, right? That's that's one of the fundamental pursuits, literally, right? Um, and uh, it takes that away. Yeah, and there's no one there's no one out there, you know, picketing. There's no one out there, um, you know, protesting. There's no one out there driving for these individuals who are just having the rights taken away without a second thought. No, and that that concerns me too. By the yeah. way. Um, I just think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for us as a firm um, to litigate a lot of these issues. I think right. there has to be changes with the senior tsunami, the wave of, of seniors with, uh, with the baby boomers and, you know, aging. Um, I just think there has to be changes in current laws to protect seniors against having their rights taken away. Yeah. And put it and put in and put in placements, put in care. Right. And can I can I go put you somewhere right now? No. Uh -uh. Not not I mean, if I if, if you committed a crime, you'd have more rights than some seniors that are being declared incompetent in a guardianship proceeding. Oh yeah. Because and you'd have rights to jury trials, you'd have rights to appeals, you'd have right you know. And it's yeah. very limited in the guardianship situation. Oh yeah, and, and there should be more ethical obligation for individuals who are bringing these petitions because anyone just about anyone can bring these petitions right any interested party and an interested party is a loose term doesn't have to be a family member does not have to be a family member yeah, yeah. exactly and you know and if they if they lose if, if the individual doesn't is deemed to be not incompetent there's no there's no recourse there. There's no. You could set a hear. They could hire an attorney and set a mm -hmm. hearing to be deemed competent. But then you're right. going back through the same process with the same people to try to find you competent that just found you incompetent. 
right? Yeah. What are the exactly. what are the chances of that? Yeah, and if if it's a frivolous petition, you know, I mean, there's there's no recourse for that because that we've experienced, that we've seen, you know, there's a possibility of of you know of maybe holding that person liable, but it's not like malicious prosecution because you're not trying to charge them of a crime right, right, and you're not trying to sue them civilly. Where's the, penal, where's the penalty? Right, for unethically bringing a petition that deprives someone of the rights and liberty. Yeah, and it's a big deal. Yeah, It's a huge deal. And, and if the state gets involved, the county, you know, at the county level, adult protective services, right. then it is a different situation. Oh, yeah. Then you got a clerk who's employed by the county, mm-hmm. an attorney who's employed by the county, and a GL who's appointed by the clerk. Yep. Those are the three different parties that are independent of each other, so to speak, that are going to be really, really heavily involved in making that decision. And I have a problem with that. I have a severe problem with that. I don't, I, and, and you know what? If some, if, if some of those people watch this video, they're going to try to crucify me for saying that. You know what? I don't care. It's not right. It's home cooking. And it, it wouldn't fly anywhere else. It shouldn't fly in that, in that area of law. And I don't know why it does. Yeah. And the thing is, the private attorney comes in, tries to throw a wrench in, in, in there, you know, asking for something that usually doesn't get done. Right. Let's say like a jury trial. I mean, it, it, it really causes commotion. I mean, they don't like they don't like anything. That they, don't they, like they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. They don't want to respect your constitutional right. Yeah. Right. They want to rubber stamp that. Incompetent. They want to take away every right you've ever had and and the right to even be placed wherever you're going to be placed, your freedom and your freedom without a jury trial. That, that is the inclination. Because it's that is the first routine. option. Because, because it's just become routine. It's because like it's become routine. routine and they don't think of it that way. Yeah. They don't view it that way or just, think of it. That just, way. In fact, if you try to get them to view it and think of it that way, you become the, a pariah. You're the one, you know, what is wrong with this guy? You know, he's trying to actually stand up for someone and have a jury trial in a guardianship case, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, I think that should yeah. be routine. I mean, oh, yeah. taking away someone's life, have, liberty, I'd and property have, should be routine to have a jury, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'd rather have, yeah, and I'd rather have a, a jury of my peers decide my competency rather than one clerk. Then, then the clerk that's employed by the county and the DSS attorney that's employed by the county and the guardian ad litem that's appointed by the clerk that's employed by the clerk. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Is that right? Does that is there an appearance of propriety or impropriety there? I just ask it that way. Yeah, impropriety, hands down. Come on, man. I mean, yeah. you know, let's be real. Let's call yeah. it let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. Anyway. All right. And if you, and if you have right. any doubts about that, I mean, it's not like you can go just watch one. It's a closed hearing. Right, yeah. and so that and that's the thing is that a lot of people don't know about it. So if you have doubts about it, we can't help you because it's not like they'll let you watch one. And all this belly aching from these two attorneys can be solved by simply you having in place a general durable power of attorney and healthcare power of attorney. Right. Don't let someone take away your rights. That's that's. Anyway. Unless, unless, I'll just throw this out, unless APS gets involved, even though there's a power of attorney, and then, in my opinion, they should get back out of it once they are reasonable. But 
We'll see. Right, right. We'll see. But, you know, if you have power attorney in place, it doesn't automatically remove you if a guardian is appointed. No, correct. So, it's still it's still a safeguard. Yeah. True story. Hey, man. Hey, man. It's been a good discussion. I got a little fired up. I didn't get super fired up, but I'm a little fired up. Yeah. You know, it's fun. I mean, litigation can be fun. And fighting for people is fun. If, if you'd like for uh, for us to, to help you, um, not just fight for you, but plan ahead for you. Right? We'd like to do it peaceably, peacefully. But protect your rights. That are A lot of them are uniquely yours, given to you by that constitution that's hanging on my wall. Um, your right to life, liberty, and property, and pursuit of happiness, and all that stuff, right? Um, you know, um, call us, 704-259-7040. We serve Charlotte and surrounding area. Right now, I'm at the Charlotte office. Britain is in our Shelby, North Carolina office, which we consider a suburb of Charlotte because it's 45 minutes away. What's that? Just came back from Asheville. Just came back from Asheville. We absolutely service the Western North Carolina region. But uh, thanks. Great conversation, Brenton. I can't wait to develop out more of this litigation. And uh, we should lobby. We should lobby for some of these laws to be put in place and some of these protections. You mentioned that before. We'll keep you posted. But... uh, but let's let's seriously think about that. Uh, you know, protections we can put in place to protect seniors and literally give them their day in court and they're just due right. to uh, to help protect them against uh, elder abuse or someone sweeping in and taking control of everything. I'm Greg McIntyre, Britton Begley. What's that, Brent? I said, I said that's right. June is Elder Abuse Awareness Month. June is Elder Abuse Awareness Month, okay? Call us. Let us know if you need us. All right? Bye. See you, Brent. See you. I want to show you my, my constitutions, okay, before we start. So keeping it simple, keeping it real, even though it's a little cheesy in our Charlotte office. I got the... That's, that looks good. That looks really good. We the people, mm-hmm. right? And then, man, that's written in small print. Yeah, it is. And then the... <laughs> Declaration of Independence. That's awesome. Yeah. I thought so too. Lest we forget. Lest we forget, that's right. So so we keep it so we keep it grounded and it's like the it's like my overall objection when I couldn't think of you know where where to put it. It was Uh an objection, Your Honor, the Constitution.